Praise the Lord, everybody. That's right. He alone is worthy. It's Thursday night. It's Bible study. Amen. Time to study the word of God. Amen. This is the time where you get established in God. Encouragement is good, but research have shown that you, you learn more when you're challenged. You learn more when you have obstacles. You learn more when you go through some struggles. When, when life is all good, you don't learn as much. You just enjoy the goodness of it. And so sometimes, you know, we feel like, you know, our flesh wants us to just enjoy the good stuff all the time, the stuff that make us feel good. And when we feel good, we say, yeah, God blessed us. And we, you know, what that, that means, and we don't realize we're saying that. But when we don't feel good, God didn't bless us. <laughs> Correction is good. Amen. So we're going to continue our study in forgiveness. And I, I think it's appropriate to teach forgiveness during this time. Every time I've taught forgiveness to our church it's usually around november december time and i i do that because you get to understand that um the holiday season comes in around the november dates and flow into december and even into the first week of january but holidays cause you to have a lot of different feelings a lot of different emotions that you can experience and um, a lot of times, for many of us, uh, they're not good experiences as far as the emotions are concerned. Um, it's not, you know, what makes us feel good because we start thinking on things that we're saying, man. And so it takes us sometimes, many people go through depression during this time. Uh, a lot of people, you know, um, just have bad memories during this time. And so this time could be challenging. But can I tell you this, most of what we go through probably have a great deal to do with forgiveness. <laughs> most of what we go through in our life, especially when we're talking about emotions of challenges and hurt feelings and stuff, most of it have to do with forgiveness. And we probably haven't realized it because when we're wrapped up in our feelings, we don't see anything else. Your feelings make you only think about your feelings. And so sometimes we don't realize that uh, what we're dealing with have a lot to do with forgiveness, but we don't want to look in that direction because our feelings are usually in control when we are hurting. So I'm going to continue our, our lesson um, in forgiveness, and I hope um, you will be able to take something from it and you will understand that it is appropriate, um, it is necessary, and you will get a lot of victory if you will learn how to forgive. And some of us, you know, in our mind might think that, hey, I'm not holding anything against anyone I forgave. Sometimes you don't know because the behavior, the behavior has become such, you know, a way of life to you that you don't even realize that you're behaving a certain way because of unforgiveness and you've been doing it for a long time because of unforgiveness and so that becomes your routine that becomes your lifestyle and you don't think that it's 
predicated on you did not forgive. And it just has become a part of you. So forgiveness is important. Um, it's, it's a very vital, vital part of our walk with God. And sometimes, you know, you have to look for the things in God that will help you grow as opposed to the things that you like. Got to look for the things in God that make you grow and forgiveness will help you to grow Um, through my studies today. And just, you know, I never just come to you without making sure I'm always digging in some more. And I've gone through this lesson many a time, but I still keep digging. And, you know, (laughs) we don't realize sometimes how often we ask ourselves, how much am I modeling the fruit of the spirit? How much does my life demonstrate the fruit of the spirit? And so we are supposed to strive to say, I want all of those fruit, all of those behavior, I should say, because it's only one fruit. But I want all of those behavior that come from that fruit to flow in my life. And if some are missing, we ought to be working on them, just like we've been going through our book Um, and just kind of looking at daily things of Christian living that we're going through that to be sure that we're incorporating everything in our life. Let us stand and let's go before the Lord. Let's talk to him a little bit. We'll take our time and dissect the word tonight. We have a lot of scriptures to get ready. Don't fall asleep on me. Amen. You fall asleep in this church, somebody's going to take your picture. I'm just telling y'all, you know, there's a secret society in this church that we don't know about. We might have to pray against that secret society. (laughs) Things are going on around here. You fall asleep because you're tired. They take your picture. I don't know what's going on around here. So be careful if you're not off because they don't show any favoritism. At least they practice a little bit of the things of God. (laughs) They are they are no respect of a respect of person. Doesn't matter who fall asleep. They take your picture. So, yeah, you you might not know that your picture is taken. You fell asleep. You're not off for a second. They took your picture. So your picture is floating around somewhere showing you sleeping in church. (laughs) Don't fall asleep. (laughs) Amen. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, and your mercy. Lord, we've come tonight to study your word. But, Lord, before we do anything, we ask you to cleanse our heart. We ask you, O God, to search our hearts. Lord God, we ask that you will purge us from iniquities, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, forgive us for our sins, Lord God. And I pray that you'll wash us by the washing of the word, that we may be clean, sanctified, and holy, to be able, Lord God, to be invited into your presence, Lord God. For in your presence there's fullness of joy, and at your right hand pleasures forevermore. Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts tonight, for we want to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us. You know our struggles, you know our battles, Lord God. We have come tonight, Lord Jesus, to learn of you. We've come tonight, Lord Jesus, to be instructed in righteousness. But Lord, as we are instructed in righteousness, we're asking, O God, that you teach us, that you impart to us your wisdom, so we're able to apply your instructions, Lord God. Oh, my God, help us tonight, Lord Jesus, that we can fulfill the purpose and will of God 
Oh, Father, by obeying your instructions and by doing what you've commanded us to do, we ask, Almighty God, that there will be a flow of the Spirit of God in this place, that you will stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Lord, we want to leave this place tonight with something that we did not come in this place with, something that you will give to us, Lord God, something that only you can give to us, Lord God. We ask for your will to be done. Touch our hearing and help us to hear. Touch our mind, Almighty God, and let our mind be clear and ready to receive and to respond. Oh, Father, we praise you and bless your name. Oh, God, we magnify your name. Oh, God, you're glorious and we magnify your name. We praise you, Lord, for there is none like you. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you. Thank you tonight, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. The Lord is good, his mercy everlasting, his truth enduring to all generation. Somebody love the Lord with me tonight. Let him know how much you love him. Let him know how much you appreciate him. Go ahead and thank him tonight. For God is wonderful. He's glorious. He's deserving of all the praises and all the honor. Jesus, there is none like you. We bless your name, O oh great God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We appreciate all of you that have joined us. Continue to promote and encourage others to join us on our Zoom prayer meetings in the morning. Amen. I I appreciate them. And I just appreciate just coming together in the morning. Amen. I know it's not easy. I, I know it's not easy. But you know what I always think about? If you're struggling, just understand you're not the only one. You know, because sometimes, you know, things start happening and say, I just don't know if I can wake up that time every morning. Well, there's some people that are doing it, and they don't feel like doing it sometimes. But they do it. So let's not think sometimes, you know. We, we, do, we let the devil tell us stuff. We tell ourselves stuff. And I'm just like, what are we doing? What are we doing? There, there are other people struggling too, dying to, do, to, to, to stay in their bed. You know, and they do it too. They they pray. They you know after they get done praying, they, they they're trying to negotiate between going to work, getting ready for work, and going back to bed, taking a quick nap. <laughs> it's all kind of stuff that goes on. But church, I'm telling you, this is now the the that's the dimension that we step when we talk about sacrifice. And a lot of times, you know, we only talk about sacrifice. We don't sacrifice. And so here is one of those things, you know, and probably why are we tired? Because we stay up a little later than we should. I'll raise my hand on that. Stay up a little later than we should. But if we get a normal life, if you go back to Jesus' days, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., they were up up and about doing things. They went to bed. At 6 o'clock, they took it down. So I'm sure by, you know, 7 o'clock at night, Jesus was asleep. Oh, I'm sure about seven o'clock dinner was ready at six. You know, he went and washed off about, you know, you know, six o'clock dinner at six thirty. He's done in 20 minutes. Then he started pulling the covers. Jesus was asleep by seven. Pop right back up early in the morning about five. 
ready to go, nice and refreshed. So part of the struggle in this is all our fault. And of course, I've come to the place I told you before, let's be smart and realize most of what we're dealing with that we are having a problem with, it's probably our own fault anyway. Have you gotten to that place yet? Because I'm there. I'm there to say whatever it is that I'm battling, for the most part, it's my issue. It's, it's something I haven't done right, something I did wrong, something, something. And so I've already accepted that. And so I'm already a step ahead of that and saying, God, show me where I misstep at and show me how I can correct that. That's where I am. I'm not even going to negotiate about thinking about, well, you know, it's because, you know, maybe a situation or something. Nah, it's me. Something I didn't do. Something I'm not doing. Something I did. And so, Lord, just help me to move past it and to overcome it. Amen. You may be seated. Forgiveness is so powerful. I saw this the other day. I saw um, Art Wilson posted this on um, his um, Facebook page, and I loved it. He said, this was a post that he put out. He said, the Lord did not check who was inside the house. That was worthy. Remember back in Israel when the death angel was going to pass through um, Egypt, the, um, God sent out the word that if you didn't have the blood applied to the doorpost, that the death, the, death, the death angel will pass through and kill the firstborn. Well, the Lord did not check who inside the house was worthy. The Lord didn't say we got to make sure the people in the house was worthy because if they weren't worthy, then the death, the death angel was going to come in and kill them, even if the blood was applied. He didn't say that. He said, apply the blood and whatever, even if you were Egyptian, Egyptian or Israelite, whoever was in the house where the blood was applied, it didn't matter what anyone thought of them. The Lord said the death angel passed over. So. The Lord did not check who inside the house was worthy. He checked for the blood on the doorposts. So that's all he was checking for. Where's the blood? You may not think someone is worthy, but their obedience in applying the blood is the thing that covered them. <laughs> and I got to say that because sometimes, you know, which we'll deal with tonight. Sometimes we kind of have our own perception about things and people. And sometimes we're so far off, we have no clue how off we are. <laughs> we're just off. And, and I wonder what they thought that morning when they woke up and certain people were living. They probably shook their head. And the only explanation to that person living was, I was in the house where the blood was applied. That, that was the only explanation. Nothing else. I didn't change my behavior. I didn't do something special. I wasn't worthy. No, no. I was in the house where the blood was applied. But to apply the blood requires obedience. <laughs> so they did something right. Hallelujah. All right. Let's get into the word. We have a lot of scripture tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness. Because, again, as I told you, it is a vital part of our Christianity, and it will give us the victory every time. And, you know, oftentimes people are in church services, and they shout, they praise, they sing, they run, they dance, they have a good time in the Lord. But the struggles that they face when they leave is real, 
and they don't realize the struggle that you're going through is because you did all the other stuff, but you keep omitting forgiveness. And and we don't see it. We don't want to approach it. We don't want to deal with it. <laughs> so I read someplace else again that says man, which is what we talked about last week. Man does everything they can to avoid forgiving someone. And they do. And what we do when we're trying to avoid forgiving someone, we do other things that in our mind is a sacrifice. This is why God says he's not he he prefers obedience over sacrifice. And so his commandment is that we forgive. That is obedience when we do it. But some people decided I'm just not doing that. And so they decide I will do some kind of act of sacrifice and that should be suffice well guess what that you still bound if you're counting on the act of doing something that is sacrificial to say well they understand you still didn't obey God all right discovering true forgiveness biblical foundation for forgiveness is important And that's what we've been talking about. This is biblical that we're talking about. Not emotions, not what you think, not what you feel, but biblical forgiveness. Remember, forgiveness is a command. It is not a suggestion. Forgiveness is a command. It is not a suggestion. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 14 and 15, the Bible says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Can I tell you that word trespass or trespasses, it means offense. So if you forgive someone their offense against you, then God will forgive you of your uh, offense against him. See, this is why we don't have a choice in forgiveness. There's a lot of reasons why. But the first reason why we don't have a choice, Brother D, about forgiveness is the Bible is saying, if we forgive others that trespass against us if we forgive them then god will forgive us and the thing is if we're smart enough we'll realize quickly we've been offending god for a long time and even when we think we're righteous and holy we're still offending god so if i'm always offending god i don't stand a chance if i don't forgive you because i need god to forgive me so the bottom line is we have to get to the place to realize We have to forgive people that offends us. That's what trespasses mean. The people who offends us, we need to forgive them for offending us. Somebody say amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 2. Here is what it says. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you mate, it shall be measured to you again. First of all, let me clear something up. You don't have the right to judge. 
Why don't you have the right to judge? You don't have the right to judge because the person you're going to judge, you have committed similar offense as they have. So you can't judge someone where you and them are kind of in the same boat because what did the word said? If you commit one of the least of these, you have commit all. So you have already sinned. And so trying to judge someone, you are in the wrong already. When the Bible says judge, the only way someone judges someone is according to the word of God, which means the word is doing the judging, not you. You, you, if you're going to judge someone, it should not be you per se that's judging them. The word, God himself, in the beginning was the word, word was God, word was God. So the word will do the judging, you can't judge. So we cannot judge people because we're not equipped because all have sinned and come short. So the, the way we will pursue quote unquote judgment if we're going to do something like that, it's not you that's doing it it's the word of god that's doing it okay so if you're what do you mean by that preacher because y'all seem like y'all a little lost on that one what do i mean by that uh um the bible says we must you know as christians we must you know demonstrate the fruit of the spirit okay and it goes on to talk about the fruit of the spirit and so now someone that is a christian is not practicing the fruit of the spirit if you want to lovingly pull them to the side and says the word of god says blah 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 and as christians that's what we're supposed to be modeling again you got to leave yourself out of that and says the word of god god says so it's not you that's doing it it's the word that's doing it so that's what i mean by you can't judge the word judges but unfortunately a lot of times we judge. Let me tell you what what what's, um, Holy Ghost want to talk to us about concerning judging. You judge people in your heart. You're judging people in your heart, and nobody can know that, but God does. Nobody can know that you're judging someone in your heart. So in your heart, you've got animosity against people you're judging them and god sees that and now your situation is you have to give an account to god because remember god sees and knows everything so when you're judging someone in your heart because whatever the reason whatever you have concluded whatever you thought that they did against you now you might do the christian thing which is out front hey praise the lord how are you Hey, it's good to see you or whatever, you know, and all that stuff. But in your heart where nobody can see but God, animosity. You don't like them. You got a problem. You're judging them. You're walking around saying, hmm, whatever. You know, I ain't paying them people no mind because they act like they're Christians and they're not. You're judging them. And you should not do that. So that's one of the things God wants all of us here tonight to deal with. That whoever you're judging in your heart, because only God knows it and you knows it and you know it. Whoever you're judging in your heart, you got to deal with that. So God don't want you to overlook that part. Okay, 
out front where everybody's looking, whatever you speak, you're not judging them. But in your heart, you're judging them. And God wants to set some people free from that. Judging people within our heart and having animosity with them. Matthew chapter, well, it says, for what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Okay. It's one thing, the Bible says you will reap what you sow. And so people can, you know, treat you, God will allow people to treat you the way you've been treating people. So if you've been judgmental towards people, other people are going to be judgmental toward you. But that's not the real problem right there. The problem is the one that knows the heart and knows the mind, he knows what you're doing and he will judge you just the same as you're judging others. Mm -mm. He knows. Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your heart forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. And when ye stand praying, forgive if you have aught, mean if you have anything against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Can I stop right there and tell you this? A lot of our prayers are not getting answered because we're praying to God for God to do something and we have ought against people. We're praying and our prayers are not getting through because we have ought against people. Anything that you have against people, that's ought. That's what ought is. It, ought is not a specific thing. It means anything. And so we're praying to God and because we have ought against people or an individual our prayers are not getting through maybe this is where it started from a long time because maybe brother kellyman can think about this and i'm not saying this to be mean church when we're in the bible we remember someone going to somebody saying pray for me I'm sure it's there. But I want to, if I can probably find the first reference of that. First time someone went to someone say, can you pray for me? I would like to know. Because I believe that we started that because of this. You're asking someone else to pray because you're not confident in your relationship with God. When you're confident in your relationship with God, you got it. God's going to answer my prayers. Now, somewhere along the line, you know, we got into. Now, I know the Bible says, <laughs> here's some Bible stuff now. Remember, the Bible says, where two or three are gathering my name, they shall I be in the midst of them. I told you a long time ago, that has nothing to do with God being present. Because if you have the Holy Ghost, God is always present with you. The Bible says he's present everywhere all at once. So God is always present. So we can't use that. Now, the Bible says when you pray, touching and agreeing on anything, then you shall have it. And so that's not praying for me. That's saying we're praying together about something. Go ahead, Brother Kellyman. Yeah, but it didn't say go to somebody and tell them to pray for you. That's my point. 
That's my point. I'm still trying to figure it out now. I, I don't. I, I'm trying to figure out. Do we see in the Bible where somebody went to somebody and say, "Can you pray for me, please?" Now God tells us to pray for each other, but bottom line is we're supposed to just pray for one another. Nobody should have to come to us and say, "Pray for me," because if your prayers are getting through, you got it. Just saying. So back to this text where it says that if you are praying and you you remember or you think about someone that you have ought against, the scripture says here that you must forgive in that prayer. You ought to, you, you, it means that you have to stop praying about whatever you're praying about because it's not going to get answered. So if you're at the altar, you're in your seat, and you just kind of you know, start praying there, you're standing up, you're walking around, and you're praying, and it comes to your mind, you know, I do have a little issue with so-and-so. I do have a little issue with so-and-so. When that comes to your mind, whatever you're praying about, you need to stop and say, God, please forgive me, and I forgive so-and-so, and I am not going to have up so-and-so, and I'm not going to be saying so-and-so is this. I'm not judging so-and-so. I forgive them of any offense, of anything they have done to offend me. I forgive them right now. But guess what's the hard part? You're talking to God. You can't give him lip service. So it really has to be a heart thing when you're stopping your tracks and say, you know, Lord, I forgive them. It has to be from the heart. It can't be just I'm saying it because God knows. Verse, the next verse uh, says 26 says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive you. It's a shame if we're praying to God and we walk away thinking God answer our prayers and we think life is good, but all of our offenses is still on us because God never forgave us and we're walking around thinking that we're okay. Listen to me. Some of us are worn out because offenses is on us and we ain't getting them off. and so tired and so worn out and I'm here to tell you by the Holy Ghost that offense that you have taken up because you believe and you had no clue that's what's going on well I'm here to tell you by the Holy Ghost it's the offense that you have taken up because you believe someone has done you wrong it's wearing you out and until you genuinely forgive that individual Guess what? You're going to be worn out all the time. We already know that, uh, you know, because we don't forgive, it will bring depression in our life. Because we don't forgive, sickness will come in our life. We know that. Psychologists, psychiatrists have studied that and realized when you're walking around with unforgiveness, it will bring sickness in your body. So there's weight that some of us are carrying when that weight is wearing you down and when, when that weight is on you, you you're bitter sometimes and don't know why when that weight is on you, you you never seem to be happy because the weight is on you because you're blaming somebody when you should be forgiving somebody that's from the holy ghost you can take that one if you want or not but i'm telling you god just dropped that in my spirit now these verses of scriptures are pretty clear aren't they there is not much wiggle room. As a matter of fact, there is no wiggle room 
when it comes to forgiveness. Here is what we do sometimes. In our minds, while we don't forgive, we say, Brother so-and-so, God don't understand how terrible brother so-and-so is. Over and over again, brother so-and-so keeps doing the same thing over and over, God. You have no clue, Lord, how terrible he is. And everybody thinks he's just this good person. And I know brother so-and-so ain't that good, God. (laughs) Well, here's what you got to remember. God knows brother so-and-so better than you know brother so-and-so. And when God told us to forgive, he didn't tell us about, you know, well, if they are, you know, nice to you, then you forgive them. God didn't tell us that. He said, forgive them. Same thing, ladies. Y'all don't understand. Sister so-and-so, she is so crooked. She be ticking me off and I'm not messing with her. (laughs) But the scripture and forgiveness are very plain. Forgive. There is no wiggle room. There's no discussion. There are some things, church, you've heard me say it many times. Don't let yourself get caught out there with some things that God command and you're saying, I just can't. Please don't do that. When the scripture confronts you, that's why I said only the word of God can judge. Don't make any excuses. You are putting yourself in a bad spot when the scripture confronts you and you say, I I just, you don't understand. What don't we understand? The word of God says whatever it says. We don't have a choice. We can't do anything about it. We got to do what the word of God says. So it it doesn't predicate on who brother so-and-so is or who sister so-and-so is. It doesn't matter who they are. God said, if you felt offended by them, you are supposed to forgive them. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Mm-hmm. Then it says deferred, meaning that our discretion should cause us. Give that person a break. I'm always, I say it sometime in jest or in joking, if you've been around me long enough. Sometimes people will tell me about a situation, about someone, of what they do and why they're, you know, you know, their behavior, how it's, you know, wrong. And they'll tell you sometimes, and they think that, you know, I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy. It's the way I've trained myself. And so you tell me something, and I said, Maybe, and I come up with something that could be far-fetched. Maybe it's because blah, 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 blah. We don't know. We don't understand. And so we just got to give them a break because we don't know. Well, you, I said, I get you. I hear you. But I train myself, Brother D, 
to always look for a way to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. I don't care how guilty they look. I try to train myself to give them the benefit of the doubt. I will rather find out later on that they were messed up when all along I was saying they were good than go the other way. You follow what I'm saying? I don't want to be the one saying, man, they're just messed up and later on find out they weren't that messed up. But I want to be the one that says, I think that, you know, they just had a hard time. They have a challenging time. Life was rough. They were mistreated. You know, all kind of things are going on. And so it caused them to be a certain way. And you're saying, well, it is about time they get over it. Yeah, but you never know how it's affecting them. And I'd rather go that route. Because I'm trying to learn so I don't take offense with me. I don't want to have offense in my life because of what I thought about people and how I perceive people. I don't want offense to be built up in me because I want God to hear my prayers. I want to get to heaven. And if, and if we allow offense to build up in us, it's going to keep us from eternal life. Forgiveness is a heaven and a heaven and hell situation. Remember, pre-trip, post-trip, mid-trip is not a heaven and hell situation. Whether we're right or wrong about when Jesus is coming back, that have nothing to do with our salvation. Forgiveness have a whole lot to do with our salvation. Hmm. Proverbs twenty four twenty nine. Say not. I will do so to him as he had done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. Huh. He ran me off the road, so I'm going to run him off the road too. We talked about this last week. When you respond to someone in the same way they treated you, you have just become like them. So it just doesn't even make sense to criticize them because then you're criticizing yourself. Does that make sense? That when you respond to someone that offended you, you respond in the same kind of way. You have no right to criticize them because you are just like them because you're doing what they did. They just did it first, but you're doing it second. So you look kind of foolish when you start to criticize someone when you respond in the same way. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. This is what we need to put on. Bowels of mercy. We need to be merciful. What else do we need to put on? Kindness. We need to show kindness. What else do we need to put on? Humbleness of mind. What else do we need to put on? Meekness. What else? Long-suffering. 13 says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I love this. I've heard this. I heard this from my grandmom. I heard this from some of these old timers. And they used to always say, sometimes, this is how we say it in Jamaican, you have to have your rights and give it up. Don't fight to be right. Fight to be unified. Don't fight to be right. 
fight to be in harmony and unity with your brother and sister. That's what you fight for. Fight to be together. Fight to be unified. Fight to be the body of Christ, to be in alignment with God. Don't fight to prove you're right. That makes no sense. If I'm right and it's going to cause you to go in a bad direction, why would I want to be right? Why? So sometimes you have to know what's right and not say it because if you say it, you're going to lead somebody down the wrong path. But some of us cannot help ourselves. We just got to let people know we're right. Not a Christian. That's not a Christian attitude. That's not a Christian attribute to just have to let people know you're right. Sometimes, as a matter of fact, sometimes, Brother Scotty, sometimes you got to know some stuff. And when people say something to you, you act like you didn't know nothing. <laughs> because, because to prove the people you write sometimes or prove the people what you know, that sometimes can just offend. Just sometimes know what you know and act like you don't know. Because if it's going to make you in harmony with your brother and sister, then that's good. Can you imagine something? You ever had somebody wanting to tell you something and they're excited about it? And, and you might have known it all about it, and you're, you know something real good about it. You got to act surprised. Because when you say, oh, yeah, I know, you just killed their old high. They're all excited, wanting to share. And you, yeah, I knew that. Oh, come on, man. Why don't you consider your brother and sister and be happy with them? So when they come with their gladness and happiness and they're getting ready to tell you, act like you're hearing that for the first time and have a big old smile and say, really? Oh, man, that's so good. I'm just telling y'all, that's how you build relationship with one another. That's how you make sure you and your brother and sister are in the right relationship, not try to kill their joy. Listen to me. You will never be happy all by yourself. The person that's in their mind tell me, not me, I can't, you're lying. God didn't make you that way. You might have told yourself that lie, or the devil might have told you that lie. You cannot be happy by yourself. Why didn't God leave Adam by himself? You can't be happy by yourself. You become happy when you have someone to share your happiness with and vice versa. That's when you really start experiencing happiness when two people are sharing. So understand when someone is happy, be happy for them. And when you're happy, they'll be happy for you. You reap what you sow. But some of you don't even know how to be happy with someone. As soon as they come, they coming over, you know, to be happy. And here you go. I know what he's coming over here to tell me. Whatever. And they come over there. They tell, and in the middle of them telling you, saying, yeah, I know, I know. Dude can't even finish his story. Because you didn't cut him off at the legs just to tell him, I know, I know, I know. Let the dude finish the story. Ask him a couple questions. Be happy with him. This is about relationship, church. Remember, this is about relationship. I, every, time I, every time I teach this lesson, it always pushed me back to that to just remind us that if we cannot have right relationship with one another, we cannot be to heaven. We cannot be in heaven together. Because there can't be any animosity in God's kingdom. 
Can't be any hate in God's kingdom. Can't be any unforgiveness in God's kingdom. So we have a great opportunity to practice the things of God so we can all be raptured out of here together to spend eternity together. We got to be happy, man. We got to be happy. You know when the Bible says, blessed are the meek. You know what it's saying, right? You know what blessed mean? Blessed mean happy. I know y'all wanted it to mean something deep. <laughs> but blessed means happy. So when the Bible says, blessed are he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, happy is he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. <laughs> so we've got a whole almost chapter that's telling us about being happy. Can we be happy? If you ain't happy about nothing, you can't be living for God. Because if you're living for God, you will find something to be happy about. Amen. Romans chapter 12, familiar passage scriptures, verse 19. The Bible says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Man, if God is telling you to feed your enemy... What about the people that you just, they just did something you didn't like? They just did something you didn't like. They, they haven't been trying to do you in. They just did something you didn't like. God says, feed your enemy. So what should you do for the one that just did something that you didn't like? If he thirsts, give him to drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals <laughs> on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Someone once said, always forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them more than that. You know, when you forgive people and you're loving them back and they still hold an animosity, boy, they hate you even more. They're holding the animosity and you're walking around and then they say, phony. When you come over, you say, praise the Lord. Good to see you. They, they smile, praise the Lord. And when you walk away, hypocrite. I'm not no hypocrite. I forgave you and I don't have no, I, I don't have nothing against you. So that's why I'm smiling saying, praise the Lord. I'm not being a hypocrite. But that's what we do because we're saying, if I'm not happy and if I don't have it straight now, I know they don't. Who told you that? Who told you that? Because you don't have it straight now. Somebody else don't have it straight now. It's not the way it works. Forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. It just makes you free. Forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. So to be caught up in saying if i if i if i have to forgive them it means that i was the one wrong not true and if you start thinking like that there's some pride that got to get out of there so stop worrying about i can't forgive them because they were wrong so what if they were wrong you forgiving them don't make you don't make them right it just means you forgave them and you're free how many times should we forgive 
There is no limit forgiveness in unforgiveness. But what the scripture says, Matthew 18, 21, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Peter said, seven times, Lord. How about seven times, Lord? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And the bottom line is Jesus is saying, boy, you never stop forgiving. Because if I stop, if I stop forgiving y'all, man, first Corinthians 13 and five, it, it's talking about love and it says love think it no evil. The word think it here means does not take account or number of. So when, when, when you, when, when you're saying that I love a person and I don't think evil of that person, you're not counting, you're not taking a number of how many times they have done anything against you the new testament says it like this love keeps no record love keeps no record of wrong if you say you love you can't be keeping a record of their wrongdoing no bueno when you jump down to verse 10 in corinthians 13 first corinthians uh it 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 and I'm sorry, in first, um, first Peter, first Peter, chapter four, verse eight, it says, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves for charity covers the multitude of sins. Jesus forgave on the cross and he came up from the grave still forgiven. If we were Jesus, we might have forgave. And then when we got to the cross and realized who was crucifying us, when we rose on the third day, man, we would have never forgave nobody else after that. Everybody was going to hell after that. <laughs> if we were Jesus, we rose on the third day, everybody going. Everybody going. I'm taking them all out. Nobody gets forgiven. <laughs> all right. Let me finish up here. Offenses, offenses or someone offends you or offenses someone here is offense, what it comes down to, because this is probably how I need to say it to you. Here is what offense is. Someone wounds you or someone offends you. Someone did something to you that hurt you really bad or they did something that offended you. Here's another, here's another one. Someone says something that's offensive to you someone does something that offended you or hurt you here's another one someone doesn't say something the other day stace so the other day i got out the restroom and i told y'all i'm one track mind i'm focused and I'm just left the restroom. I'm thinking about, you know, I'm getting ready to get started. And stay say, hi, pastor. And it didn't dawn on me till I got about right here. She said, hi, pastor. What, what, did, I, what did I do, Stace? I came back. I backed up. Hey, Stace. Because I'm so trying to be what the Bible tells us we need to be. And I'm alert to that. That if someone is saying hi to me, I know that I'm focused. And I'm trying to get things done. But I don't know if they know that. Now, can I assume? Well, she should know. I could assume that. <laughs> You'd have found about it later, Izzy. See what I'm saying? I could assume that she should know I'm focused. I'm getting ready to preach. I, gotta, I could assume that 
But I wasn't going to assume it. I said, let me handle this business. And I just did the electric slide. Hey, Stace, good to see you. Because I know that can be offensive, that someone is saying hi to you and you didn't, you didn't acknowledge them. And it could just be the easy thing of you didn't see them. You didn't realize. And that's why you didn't acknowledge them. But they didn't see that. And I don't want to offend anybody. If I can control it, I don't want to offend nobody. That's a, that's, I'm trying to be a Christian. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to be better than anybody. I don't think I'm better. I'm trying my best to be a Christian. All right. What we have been taught to do from childhood is when somebody offends us, we isolate them from our heart. Uh huh. That's what we've been taught, whether nonverbal or verbal. We were taught that. We get bubbles all around us so that we can't get hurt again. They'll never hurt me like that again. Bubble wrap ourselves. They'll never hurt me like that again. Well, let me tell you, newsflash. If you're going to get to heaven, you're going to be open to hurt all the time, and you have to own that because that's never going to change. Why would you say that, preacher? Ask our Lord and Savior. He was vulnerable. He made himself vulnerable. And I'm sure he was hurt many times. Well, I'll talk about that in a second. I'm sure at some time he was offended and hurt, but the bottom line is he knew that came with the territory. Being a Christian leaves you open to being offended. That's going to happen. Can't get around that. But we've been taught they do that to you. You make sure they don't do that to you again. And so that usually means isolation. We do everything we can to avoid being around them. And we justify and think it's okay. Why should I be around them? They always say things derogatory towards me. They always hurt my feelings. Can I tell you this real quick? Wrote this down in my studies today. This ain't even a part of this. This is not written in the forgiveness notes. But in studying, God help me to understand more things. Immaturity in Christ and unpracticed fruit of the spirit will cause one to be offended regularly. I'm going to say it again. Immaturity in Christ and unpracticed fruit of the Spirit, the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, will cause you to be offended regularly. If you find yourself offended quite a bit you're either immature in christ or the fruit of the spirit is not manifesting from your life it's it's not something you practice so you are being offended easily and that will interrupt your flow in living for god when you always upset at somebody when you always mad at somebody when you can't stand somebody when you're always thinking bad about somebody that will interrupt your relationship with god so we got to grow up so we don't be immature we got to practice the fruit of the spirit so we can be what god wants us to be and we won't be so easily offended all right That offense is the greatest obstacle to brotherly love that there is. 
It is true biblical forgiveness that that built a bridge between the two to allow fellowship again. So when we become uh, isolated, when we isolate people, guess what? That is an obstacle in your life as a Christian. So don't be comfortable avoiding someone thinking, as long as they don't say nothing to me, I won't say nothing to them, but praise the Lord. Oh, we try to dress it up. As long as they don't say anything to me, I won't say much to them. All I'm going to say to them is praise the Lord. Well, you don't have a relationship with that person. And we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are the body of Christ and we're supposed to function together. So just walking around talking about, they're not going to hurt me again. I say, praise the Lord and I keep it moving. Not godly. God not pleased with that behavior either. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Philippians 2, verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love being of one accord one mind let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves look not every man on his own thing but every man also on the things of others let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And I'll finish up with this text right here. Matthew chapter 18, verse number seven. This is the text here that we will deal with a little bit next time we get together. Woe unto the world. It said the world. The world, brother Tom. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. When you are mature in Christ, when you practice the fruit of the Spirit, offenses will come into your life sparingly. Offenses is going to come. The good news about offenses is it's supposed to help you develop as a Christian. That's why God allowed it. So you're not totally free from it as a mature Christian who practices the fruit of the Spirit. You will never be totally free from it. But it will come sparingly in your life because you're living like Christ. And so now when it comes into your life, you realize, okay, Here is an opportunity for me to grow in Christ. Offense is going to come, but they're supposed to come sparingly. Not every week, not every other day, not every month. They're going to come, but they're supposed to come sparingly. And when you are grown up in Christ, you will be able to take it as an opportunity to get better as a Christian. Offenses are necessary. It must need be. The offense is the greatest obstacle there is to restore in fellowship, but it is also the greatest opportunity for victory there is. Calvary was the most horrible event in history 
but it was also the greatest and most wonderful event in history at the same time. Think about that one. When Jesus went to the cross, it was the most terrible thing that could ever happen and the most amazing thing that could ever happen at the same time. So offenses will come and it could be terrible and great at the same time. Because you get offended and hurt by something, but it gives you an opportunity to demonstrate mercy. It gives you an opportunity to demonstrate love. It gives you an opportunity to grow up in the word in Christ. So it's the worst thing probably at the moment, but it also can be the greatest thing. Don't let it just be the worst thing. Let it be the worst thing and the greatest thing. Who was... Was it that had the greatest impact in the New Testament besides Jesus? Most would say Paul. And I, 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 I probably would say that. However, I think Stephen is running a close second if he hasn't nudged him out. <laughs> because if it were not for Stephen, there would be no Paul. While being stoned, Stephen said, receive my spirit. Don't lay this sin to their charge. You remember that? Paul was present when Stephen was getting stoned. So he was taking part in that sin. <laughs> Paul was taking part in the sin of stoning an innocent godly man. And when that innocent godly man was given up the ghost, he was about to die. He told the Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. What if he wouldn't have said that? Would Paul have the opportunity to be forgiven? And would Stephen be saved? <laughs> Two situations where you need to ask for forgiveness. You do somebody wrong. You need to ask for forgiveness. Don't act like you don't know. Ask God to help you. And we'll pray in a second here and ask God to help us. Two, someone does you wrong and you don't respond correctly. So you do something wrong, you need forgiveness. You need to ask for forgiveness. But then somebody did you wrong and you didn't take it with the right spirit. So now you got the double whammy. Somebody did you wrong and you got to go ask for forgiveness. That's the worst. But the reason why you didn't respond correctly was because you might have been immature or not practicing the fruit of the Spirit. So we got to be sharp, be prayed up to understand that when someone does anything to offend us, how we respond is critical. How we respond to how somebody speaks to us, to what somebody does to us, it's critical. Because if you responded with a bad attitude, if you responded in a wrong way, you're now going to be required, according to the word of God, to go and to say, Ethan, you said blah, blah, blah the other day, and I didn't like how you say it, but that wasn't the point. The point was I responded incorrectly, and I'm asking you, can you forgive me because I responded incorrectly? Woo! Woo! 
Yes, yes, yes. So that's what we miss sometimes. And we don't realize it is our response that is incorrect. That's a big one that we need to really pay attention to. When somebody says something that offends you, how did you respond? And if your response is not godly, then now you got to go to them. And I know you don't want to go to them. And that's why I said what I said when the Holy Ghost quickened me and, 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 and had me say what I said tonight. Some of us are walking around with a lot of weight because of unforgiveness that you will not acknowledge. And you're getting worn out. And you're getting weary. And you're getting short with people at times because you're carrying around unnecessary weight because you have not asked for forgiveness in some instances, all because you felt like you had the person had no right to say this to you. They had no right to do this to you. And now you're walking around because you have decided that there's no way I can treat them this way when they know they did me wrong. And so instead of going to them and says, I've been walking around being mad at you because I feel like you've done me wrong, but I'm the silly one. I just want to ask you to forgive me because I've been walking around being upset with you. You had no clue about it. And I just need you to forgive me because I just, that, that wasn't good. And you don't have to get no details to tell them because, you know, how you said, you didn't tell it all. Remember what I said about it? how you respond to people? Don't go into no detail about how they say, no, just say to them that, you know, you did something the other day. Don't even let them know what they did unless they ask. You did something the other day and I just got offended and took it and ran and I, I just, it, I just made more of it than I should have. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And that person could just quit. I forgive you. Don't worry about it. That person said, what I, what did I do? Cause I want to make sure I correct that and never do that again. But we're walking around with some weight that we don't realize and it's killing us and our prayers are not being answered. All right, I'll stop right there. Bradley, you got a question? Let me answer that. No. Remember what I said. The reason why it's no, Bradley, is because we're supposed to be mature. And we're supposed to be modeling the fruit of the spirit, long suffering, you know, goodness, gentleness. So 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 if if, if we here's the story, here's the thing. This, this is a new talk. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If. If this is you got to think sometimes and let the word of God and spirit of God guide you. If someone said something to you to hurt you, either something is wrong with you or something is wrong with them. So the thing is, let's just say, I think I'm doing well spiritually, which is probably not true because you got offended too easy. But let's just say I said I'm good. Then it means something is wrong with them. So you think I'm going to help them by telling them you need to apologize because you said this. How's that going to help them? Because something is wrong for them to say what they said. 
So I need to get on my knees for them. And I need to extend kindness and love and mercy toward them. And maybe that will get them going on the right track. Because right now they're off the track if they did something real egregious. Second question. Yes. So um, if someone ministers and they provide incorrect doctrine, well, they're not, they're not teaching it. They're just, they were once converted to truth and they have found a new way of reflecting the word. So could you be disappointed, especially if someone, if you had admiration with the person or persons, um, could you be disappointed or could you be offended? So or is, that, is that something that you just need to? It doesn't have anything to be an offense. Again, immaturity and um, not practicing fruit of the Spirit makes you offended for something like that. So if someone is in this pulpit and they minister incorrect doctrine, it's my job and some of the elders in here job that know the word of God to pull that person to the side and say, hey, you said this and that's not what the word of God says. And then... At the, um, the appropriate time when I get before the congregation, I have to tell you all that this was said. I don't have to get into any details. This was said from this pulpit, and I need to correct that because that's not correct. So correcting something doesn't have anything to do with offended, offense, getting offended. We have to make sure we're teaching, you know, correct doctrine. So if someone said anything, now let's just say I'm the pastor and I said something um, incorrect. I expect for some elders to pull me to the side and says, hey, you said this and this wasn't really line. You know, this doesn't line up with the word. So we always need to pull somebody to the side and make sure they understand incorrect doctrines. Uh, Gabriel, have her hand up back there, somebody. And, and Brother Isaiah, have his hand up back there. Because of the offense that they have yes. done previously. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Our goal is supposed to be trying to help people get saved. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about um, that people use incorrectly that if you know, if you go to someone about an offense and they don't accept it, then you bring a, a brother or a sister. And you try to talk to them about it. If they don't accept it, then guess what? You, you bring him before the church. And if you don't accept it, then you treat him like, um, um, what, um, um, what's the word again? Like a, a, a no, they, I, I think it's a scribe. Fair. I, I'm trying to remember the word, but, but what is it? Infidel. But guess what? You, you know what they all missed? God came to seek and to save the loss. It is the will of God that all be saved and that none perish. And if we treat the worst of the worst, we going out there. Here's something that's important to me. And I think it's important to God. We go knock on people's door sometimes. We go to neighborhoods and communities. That's the worst talking about Jesus loves you. We are wrong if someone was in the church and did wrong and we still not reaching for them, regardless of what happened. And we still not reaching for them. But we're going out there reaching for other people because they're no different than the people out there that we're reaching because they're both lost. 
So when we think somebody's supposed to be an outcast in the church, we're wrong. We're supposed to be trying to help them get back in their relationship with Christ, regardless of what it is. We're supposed to be trying to help them get back. Brother Isaiah. person who is offended would you like let's just say there is a I mean, maybe there's a valid reason why they're uh, offended mm-hmm. do we understand that i guess the end result they need to i guess is get it right with the person so i guess so my question for you is would you say that one there's no scenario where the person is a is rightly offended or does that make sense like yeah i, f- I follow what you're saying so 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 the bottom line is someone offends you, but probably rightly offends you. The way how they, what they said to you was probably accurate because you had a bad, poor behavior, right? And so let's just say that. And so they, 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 they said something to you and you got offended. You're right. There's never any any right way to walk away and say well they offended me and they were wrong no you have to still go back to them because what you're doing this is good what you do when you go back to them you're helping yourself and you're helping them see when you go back to them you're acknowledging what they said to you before and you're saying i got offended but here is what we're supposed to be saying i probably wasn't in the right place listen man i can go all day on this this topic I remember, listen to me carefully, church. I remember my pastor was preaching hard one Sunday, and he preached up a storm, Isaiah, and I felt like the arrows was coming straight at me, like almost like he was talking to me. And I was dropping. You didn't have on the shield of faith. You didn't have faith. I gave you the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts. And so the reason why you felt those darts, those arrows, you didn't have no faith on. You didn't have it up. So point is, most of the times when you're offended, it's you. That's my point. Most of the time, it's you. That's why I said when I started out tonight, just assume whatever is wrong in your life. Is you. Because 90% of the time, brother, it's us. It's something that's going on with us. It's something that, you know, we had a bad taste in our It's us. So just go ahead and own that up so you can deal with that. So when you go to someone that rightfully, quote unquote, rightfully offended you, and you finally realize that, and you said, man, I got to make this right, and you go over and say, please forgive me, because you said some stuff that I really took to heart, and I really got upset at you about it, but it's me. I wasn't in a good place spiritually, but I'm okay now, and I just want to ask you to forgive me for going there. That other person's eyes pop wide open if they're Christian for real. He says, really? I am so sorry. That's not what I meant to do. Y'all good to go. Brother Kelvin. Yes, the one who offended you and you brought the elder, you brought him before the church and all that kind of stuff. The purpose of treating him as an infidel mm-hmm. was to bring that one back to the Lord. Um, the Jehovah's Witness would say you disfellowship him. Mm-hmm. Now, treating him as one of the 
as, as a man of the world or whatever, is as the scripture says, you know, or the saying goes, one bad apple spoil the whole bunch. This one could have been, I mean, turned over to a reprobate mind. So God wants you to separate yourself from this one so that he does not corrupt the rest of the body. And the question that was asked about um, uh, anyone praying for you, the scripture is in James chapter 5 from verse 14 to 16. Uh -huh. Is anyone sick? Call for the uh -huh. elders so that they can pray for you. Uh -huh. uh, my main thing that stuck out to me in this lesson is because I was a trucker. I spent so many years on the road. Uh -huh. And if somebody run me off the road <laughs> and I survive, <laughs> I know you're all thinking what you want to think, but guess what? <laughs> if I start thinking like that person, <laughs> the scripture says I'm just like him. Just like Amen? him. All right. <laughs> so, two things you brought up. Let's stand. We're going to go. I don't want to keep you here all night. So, I, when I say stand, I may, may let you know. Two things he said. Um, the thing that he said about... Um, there's, there's a difference, because I want to make sure this is clear. There's a difference between someone that's not living right but acting like they're living right than someone that's just really struggling and living wrong. Make sure we understand that. So there's a difference between someone that's just struggling to live right and can't get it together compared to someone that is not living right and continue to try to pass it off like they're living right. That's the person we don't have fellowship with because that's what gives us a bad name, right? Because, because that person is going around not living right, but come around and then, you know, try to pass off their life as something right. That's the person we don't mess with because clearly they know what they're doing. And we don't want to be labeled among them. And so that's the one we don't fellowship with when the scripture talking about you don't fellowship with such a one. And the scripture talking about that clearly about someone that does that. You don't fellowship with them. So if you know somebody is knowingly ripping people off, you know, you know, stealing and conniving other people, but they show up in church and act like they're right. You got to leave them alone because people think you're like that. That's different. Now, someone that we said, you know, uh, we got to treat them like an infidel because, you know, we can't get them restored. That's different. They're no different than all the other sinners in the world because they're just struggling. They're in a bad place and we need to do everything we can to help get them restored. They're not being a hypocrite. They're just really going through and it's not working for them and they need our help. The one that's being hypocritical don't need our help because they're deliberately living that life in that way. Make sense? Keep that in mind. The, the, what about the what? The, 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 oh, we know what that is. We, we, we know what that is. And then, and then that was bullying, too. That was, you know, they, they, not only was it spiritually wrong, it was morally and ethically wrong, and you're bullying them because you had 18 wheels and they only had four. Uh-huh. <laughs> Run the cops all the road with the 18 wheeler. My goodness. Everybody good? You got something out of lesson tonight? Amen. Let's thank God for that tonight. Amen.
we going in we we going into the Christmas season church and as I said there's a lot of emotions a lot of different things not to mention all the loss we've experienced and it can have you going to the left so often because of the thoughts and because of the hurt that you still have and so many things but I want you to think about this try to make sure you don't get offended by what people say what people do be Christ like and try your best not to offend anyone in any way love people treat people right be happy for people and celebrate with them Last and final thing, I'll throw this in with you. I'm, uh, since I, since I, I, just trust me, I got to tell it to you tonight. I'm not going to be able to tell you before, um, uh, you know, tonight, my only time I'm going to be able to tell you right, right now. So the other day, I was trying to get my um, staff, um, get increases for them in their um, rate of pay. Because with all that's going on in the world, um, some of you know that's in the workplace. Hiring is very hard now. Um, people are really um, cherry picking jobs and you know they're saying if you're not paying me a certain amount you know we're not going to work there and so the deal is I'm trying to get our company to you know do a little movements and you know raise up some pay and do some incentive things and try to get our staff really you know you know let them know we care and you know you know keep things going and um, Tuesday when I went into the office I got an email from our HR and I just received over 30% increase in my pay rate. And that wasn't, I wasn't trying to get no money from me. I was trying to get money from my staff. And I wanted to share that because I'm telling you, all that we're doing, that we are giving here and giving there, you might say, man, you know, we're always giving. I'm telling you, can't outgive God. I'm still in awe. Like, how did that, where did that come from? You know, you know, you know, people don't get, this, is, this was probably about a 33 to 35% increase. People don't get that in their pay. When we get increase over the year, they do 3%, 6%. You know, you know the percentage that they give you. They, can, they call it cost of living increase. So every year you'll get between 3 and 6%. They call that cost of living increase. I just got a 35% increase in my base pay. And I went back to there and checked it and said, that really happened? I'm still in awe. So I'm telling you, be faithful to God. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, because God is just that good. And if we will be faithful to him and we will continue to do what he wants us to do and give like we're supposed to, you can't outgive God. And that's just not with finances. It's just of yourself, giving of yourself. You know, when you have something this, this Christmas season, give it to somebody that you know could use it. Give somebody something. Do something special for people. Let people know you care. Just don't give them what you don't want, but give them what you really want. <laughs> Lord, we thank you tonight. We love you. You're so wonderful and so kind. You've been so good to us. And Lord, we thank you for your word as you have spoken to us tonight. Help us to take hold of the word of God, to live out the word of God, to become doers and not just hearers only, Lord God. I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, that you will empower us by the Spirit of God, and that, Lord Jesus, all of us would, will grow from the teaching, from the instructions of the Word of God tonight, that we will grow, Lord God, and not allow anything to slip us, but that we will serve you with gladness, and that we will truly be ambassadors and vessels and instruments of God that you can work through. Father, we praise you and we honor you and we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your mercy, your kindness, and your love, Lord. Continue to show us, Lord God, that, Lord, you love us. 
continue, Lord God, to reign in our lives and in this church, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to truly be who you've called us to be. Bless us and keep us, Lord God, until we come back together again. We thank and praise you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank the Lord today. God bless you, church. Brother Henry is in the back with the offering basket. If you're online, give online. Let God bless you in Jesus' name.